Hello and welcome to the Wheel of Betting Weekend Preview in association with Gambler. Hi guys, hope you're well. Marco O'Hare here from Wheel of Betting. We're back at our usual Thursday night slot after Will Dyer was the one who inexplicably made us move to suit his social plans last week. Was it worth it, Will? A good booze up? Yeah, I can't even remember what I was doing. Uh, <laughs> I, I I went to about eight pubs last week, so I've forgotten which, which night of the week that was, I'm afraid. Uh, all right, show off. Um, Tom Love is always here, as always. Tom, how many beer gardens have you been to since we last spoke? Um, Three, I, I believe. Yeah, out every night of the week. Um, yeah, it's, it's well, now it's back. You've got you've got to make use of it, haven't you? But uh, yeah, not so. not like eight pubs in a row. You won't be able to do <laughs> eight in a row up here. Everywhere. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sadly lacking down with with two. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's been a, a week like no other in the football world, particularly in uh, my lifetime. I've never known anything like this. But um, I've told you guys and I've told the listeners as well, I'll promise them that this will be a European Super League free zone. So we're all a bit sick of it and not sure you guys are too bothered by our views on the topic anyway, as it'll be much the same as probably what you've seen, heard and read elsewhere as well. But what the listeners probably do want to hear is a little bit more golden gossip from you guys. We've done drinks, we've done dates, we've done takeaways, we've done music, we've done happy places and so much more. But uh, <laughs> I guess what's coming next, I can feel the trepidation from you guys as I put you on the spot. Yeah, It's an easy one this week. What's the last TV series you binge-watched or any recommendations? Tom, you go first. Well, I, I almost had to shed a tear when I finished watching um, Never been big into law or anything like that, but um, got a tip saying it was a, a good thing. And, yeah, I think there was about nine seasons of it, and it was just on pretty much three months i don't really watch much tv when when the football's not on but i I was kind of hooked on that but yeah i I presume everyone's on on the line of duty hype i've watched the first episode of the first series last night weirdly and so that's (laughs) next that's next in line for me there's a lot of seasons of that for me to catch up on but I'm, i'm not into this game of thrones rubbish all this kind of made up stuff not for me. Give me some. Give me some drama. Completely agree, mate. Completely agree. But uh, yeah, your light line of duty, very good. Uh, Will, over to you. Yeah, Tom's one of those anti-sci-fi people, is he? Can't. Oh, can't. Yeah. I'm in the same club, mate. Take us on. <laughs> no, uh, actually, I was going to say um, line of duty. I I wouldn't call myself a binger really, but I watched. Um, I watched season one of that as well, like maybe in the space of a couple of weeks, uh, like last month. But um, yeah, most recent one actually probably Ragnarok, which is definitely a bit sci-fi. Um, mainly though because it's in Norwegian and I'm trying to trying to become fluent. So it's a bit about it's basically about Thor with his hammer in a small Norwegian fjord town. Um, <laughs> it's actually very good, I promise you. And it's it's one of those that's like based in the norms of reality he's like a normal school kid but he just has a a massive super power of uh of strength so have I'll a probably look give that you're... one a miss <laughs> okay <laughs> uh, no, really in, in lockdown that. i managed to get the uh, the missus to to watch the office for the very first time so we did the office we did extras and we did alan partridge pretty much back to back in a few weeks wonderful wow. times wonderful scenes um good stuff guys always good fun um, well, if anyone's into Norwegian sci-fi Thor stuff, <laughs> um, I'll send them your way. <laughs> right, let's get to it. We're going to chat about the League Cup final on Sunday afternoon. Spurs take on Man City at Wembley. Spurs without Jose Mourinho. These days, of course, they're 11-2 to two outsiders. Man City around 4-7, to 1.47 uh, to win in 90 minutes. Tom, what's your view? Well, even though Mourinho's gone, I thought, well, I think he must have listened to this podcast one, one too many times. He's just got sick of me slating him. So, fair enough. I've done my job. I've got him out of the hot seat. Um, I'm, I'm still going to get against them, though. Um, mainly because they're playing a Man City side that are just pretty much unstoppable, if we're honest. Even when they don't play that well. 
They're just win, win, win. I actually think the price about them around 1.55 is is fair. I, I don't see anything wrong with that because ultimately they're playing a Spurs side who are bang average in terms of the data and everything around that. Um, if, if it was, say, City against Aston Villa in, in this final, um, I'm, I'm sure there'd be twos on. Uh, if not shorter than that. And the, it is a Spurs side with possibly without Harry Kane. Um, I've, I've not seen any updates. I think they're probably keeping the, the cards close to the chest in, in terms of his availability. But I just think that even if Kane is fit, this Spurs defence isn't good enough to, to keep out Man City. And what, what I've been impressed with from City this season is they've actually had a look at how the opposition play a bit more and kind of dealt with their threats pretty well. Uh, I can remember the season before, they'd they'd get done on the counter time after time, especially against the likes of Wolves. And um, it it was just one of them them teams where if you've got a couple of fast players up front, um, you've always got a chance. And they might be looking at that with, with Son, Maybe going over the top and playing playing kind of Mourinho football. As much as I dislike Mourinho in the modern day, um, I think that he'd be more suited to this game than what Ryan Mason would, who's a, a novice when it comes to this kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, I think City are a fair price, but it's probably one of my better bets of, of the weekend, actually. Um, Man City to win and under three and a half goals is six to five with Betway and Boyle Sports. A few others go around 23 to 20. I mean, you've got to find a way of getting with City, um, but bolstering that price. And th- this looks like a nice way in because of the 41 wins that City have had this season, 28 of them have seen under three and a half. That's in all competitions. So even just saying 41 wins this season, it, it's it's a joke, really. Um, it's it's just a sea of green when you look down their results. And, yeah, I, I just think they'll have too much. I don't rate this Spurs defence, but I just think if Man City go one or two goals up, they'll kind of sit, not really sit in, but they're su- such a good team at just keeping control of the game when they are winning. And I'd expect them to do that here. I think it could be quite an anti-climax. I'd maybe look at the 2-0 correct score. I could say something like that. Um, But this just gives you kind of, if Spurs do score, um, if Kane is back and they do score, you've still got the 2-1 on side with Man City, which has landed quite a bit for them. So, yeah, my main bet is Man City to win and under three and a half goals at 6-5. But um, I mentioned Son, and I think that how City have played with quite a high line. Um, saw straight away, didn't we, the other night, uh, McGinn scoring from just a, quite a simple ball over the top. And that that's what Spurs are going to do, I think, if they're going to get any joy out of this, because they are going to have to defend in numbers and keep it quite tight or they'll just get torn apart. So I, I think that Son will be looking for them runs a lot, and there's no markets available yet, weirdly. Um, given it's a cup final, I expected some of the kind of player props markets to be out. Uh, not yet, but I'd l- have a look at him for offsides. Uh, I, I presume him to be offside once or more will be odds on. Um, but if you can get kind of three to one or bigger on him to be offside two or more times, I could see that being a, a decent little kind of outside shot for this game to give you a bit more interest. I just think we saw some, didn't we, against the high line when they played at Southampton and he was offside around five times in that match. So um, not many teams employ such a high line as Southampton apart from the likes of Man City. So. Yeah, I think I might have put this up in this fixture in the league, actually, but I'm happy to go in again um, if you can get prices. Well, once the prices are out, I'll, I'll update that on on Twitter um, to let people know anyway. But yeah, my main bet, very, very simple, and it's kind of tried and trusted. There's no reason to go against it. Man City to win under three and a half goals at six to five. 
Yeah, I'm in the same camp as you in terms of the best bets. Will, over to you, Spurs City. What have you got? Yeah, um, very much agree with uh, Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher as well, who seem to be the the most sort of exciting thing about the Premier League at the moment these days. When they say um, Jose Mourinho will obviously be great, a great loss for the for the Premier League on a, from a personality, either love him or hate him sort of perspective. Um, the timing of that sacking is is not that weird, I guess, when you think about the announcements and and. You wouldn't be surprised if he'd undermined Daniel Levy or something like that. But also with the maybe might have spoken his mind uh, in in respects to that. And then with the cup final this week, and yeah, there's obviously huge pressure on on Spurs to win some silverware in recent years, understandably. And what would happen if he had won the game? If he wins it, if he, he had been in charge for this final and they won, would it make it harder to get rid of him? Probably. Um, at the same time, if they lose it now, which they are expected to, with Tom obviously saying they're sitting around one to two to win, or one to three to lift the trophy, then you know is is Levy even more to blame? Um, I, I I don't know really, but Spurs' dominance at the beginning of the season has felt felt feels like a lifetime ago. They they were top after twelve games, um, and sort of eight games later, they were eight points off the pace after a really poor December. The only highlight of that was a, a North London derby win, and anyway, the football itself was pretty dire. So it's not that surprising, I guess, when you start to kind of consider the downward trend they've been on and how, like we've talked about, the type of football they've been playing. If you'd have asked um, 24-year-old me when I was watching 23-year-old Ryan Mason at the county ground in 2014, whether Ryan Mason would be Spurs boss in, in 2021, I'd, I'd say you're nuts. Um, <laughs> But yeah, this is this is where we are, and um, both clubs will have 2,000 fans in attendance, um, and then also the FA Cup final will have 21,000. I, I hear um, on May 15th, so it's, uh, it's good news. Should make this uh, more enjoyable watch than than it would be without spectators. Um, Pep said it was too early to know whether De Bruyne, yeah, would be back for the for this match, so probably back for the Champions League final against PSG next week. Um, and this is City's fourth League Cup final in a row. Uh, but they've, obviously last weekend, they exited the FA Cup final. Well, not exited, just they lost the FA Cup. Uh, sorry, yeah, they did it. <laughs> FA Cup semi-final. Um, so they're out of, out of that. So the quadruple hope is over. Um, but they are 11 clear in the Premier League now after that win over Villa in midweek. Um, another display from John Stones, which is he is he's a player that can just have some real high and low performances. Um, a pretty bad challenge, so he'll be missing here. But I guess uh, if any team can win with ten men, it was City, and it wasn't wasn't long that they had ten. They had a deficit anyway with Matty Cash getting sent off pretty soon after. So Stones will miss out, but it'll be Ruben Diaz and Imeric Laporte. I guess is more than okay. There's I don't know, I remember if Tom just mentioned it then, but Sterling obviously been dropped regular uh, from his sort of regular position. Um, so it's not clear whether he, what the reasons are behind that, whether it's just form compared to other players. or But he's not really a, a banker to play in this. And I'd question whether Stefan might not start in goal with this one after he sort of was at fault for the ZH goal. Tried to kind of... Uh, got himself in no man's land really trying to block off a pass or kind of put pressure on Timo Werner who just found ZH pretty easy um did have a mixed game I guess he made a pretty important save late on but yeah whether Edison comes in for him in this match could be interesting they've only kept seven clean sheets in the last 19 in all comps now City um which made it tricky for me really with this one to try and work out what what approach to go against because I agree really that I mean, we talked about his head-to-head for the third time this season now. And, I mean, Spurs' shots, I think it's seven, four, three, and three they've had in the matches against City in the last two years, um, which is pretty terrible. Um, their, their XG process is obviously way, way off the sort of um, coattails of, of Chelsea. Chelsea would be about 61%. City's only 53% compared to uh, sorry, Spurs is only 53% and City's is 76%. So whether they can do as much sort of 
damage as Chelsea, I'm not really sure. Um, but obviously Kane is a huge miss as well. Um, whether they could try and play Lucas, Bale and Son, it, all three players like they did against, uh, who was it? They played Saints last night. So I'm not sure if that's a good idea against City. But Kane is obviously, you can't downplay at all his absence. Um, any kind of any kind of sort of argument for that would be pretty invalid when you look at the fact that he's had 21 goals and 13 assists, the most goals and the most assists in the league. So I know we're talking about a different cup competition here, but it's pretty relevant to this. Um, so I, I wanted to get with City as well, probably because of all that. They're also 32 games without a draw, Man City. So we don't need to sort of consider anything to do with that, really. Um, um, so I'll back them, back them to win as well. I kind of agree with Tom that I think there's a still fair, it's a fair quote. I'm going to back them to win, but also add in over four City corners, so so five or more City corners. Um, so if you put those two together, City win and City over four corners in a bet builder at Bet365 is even money. City average 6.7 uh, corners per game in the Premier League, um, which is by far the most. They had 11 against Villa in midweek, um, whereas Spurs conceded 5.18 per game, which is the eighth worst in the league, actually, which is which is quite maybe not that surprising when they, they play that defensive sort of football that they have done. Um, so I think City should manage to, to get past that line quite easy. The ref is actually Paul Tierney as well, who ref this fixture in February. Um, gave City one card and Spurs three and a pen to City, which I remember Rodri inexplicably taking, which sort of broke my heart because I think I had Gundogan to score a pen and score a hat-trick or something. It's some massive odds and he scored two from open play after. So... <laughs> I was pretty pretty gutted after that. And my pick back then when we previewed that game was actually Foden to have two plus shots on target. It's just something I could fancy again, but we've not any not any prices on player shots yet. So so just City to win and City over four corners at even money with better 365. Good cases well made as always by Will. Um, nice to hear his narrative there of uh, losing a bet. Always like to hear that from Will. Mm-hmm. He's always my long always shots. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Uh, okay, let's move on because Tom put out a poll on Wednesday to see which game he wanted us to preview from Europe. Uh, for the very first time, we had a tiebreak. Wolfsburg's match with Dortmund and Lille's game of Lyon both received 31% of the vote. So it came down to editor's opinion, and the three of us decided that the league and title race was more important, more interesting. It is a fascinating title race. Four teams involved in it, including Leon and Lille. So a really interesting matchup for this on Sunday night. Leon around 23 to 20. That's 2.15 to win with Lille, the league leaders, the away team, 14 to 5. That's 3.8 on the exchange. Will, what's your view and what's your best bet? Yeah, an epic title race remaining here with um, just three points separating four teams with five games to go. Um, and Lille actually were... The only side not to win uh, in the last game week with a 1-1 draw at home to Montpellier, which could really cost them the title when you think about it now. Um, after they started started the month with an absolutely massive 1-0 win at the Parc de France. So, yeah, shame if that kind of blows it, their chances for them. But for us, for, for the for the neutrals or onlookers, it's kind of a um, put it into an even more exciting uh, kind of narrative at the moment. And... I guess with this fixture now being Leo Leo versus Leon here as well, it makes it even more sort of costly that mistake because it it would appear unlikely that Leo will not drop points again in this in this match. So two games in a row dropping points at this stage of the season would be a shame for them. But um, Leon have only won three of their last eight league on games uh, and still find themselves in with a chance, which, which is sort of surprising because they haven't sat top of the table since match day 19 so what is that 14 games ago and they're still in with a chance here despite some pretty average form lately so they got lucky basically really i would say with a lot of a few of the other teams having this uh some wobbles at times particularly psg against some of the the title rivals has, has allowed this kind of um top four to to be to be so closely knit together um both of these teams have picked up more points away than they have at home, which is interesting. I guess you could say that's the erosion of home advantage for this season. And in, in terms of XG, these are the top two teams on on that, on the XG ratios. Uh, Lille, 
7% are sort of the, the stout defenders in the league, concede just 0.66 non-pen XG per game, which has resulted in, yeah, just 20 goals against for the season with uh, Sven Botman and Jose Font forming a pretty brilliant new centre-back partnership this season. How long that can go on for, I don't know, with, with Font being 37 years old. But um, whereas Leon are, are actually the, the highest XG in the league at 70%, much more of a sort of outscore you kind of side. Conceded 32 goals, a fair few more than, than Lille, but scored a few more than Lille have too. Uh, in terms of that, it's an, also an underperformance on the XG with for Lyon because actually Monaco and PSG have both scored more than them despite hitting lower XG4 numbers for the season. So potentially they've been slightly unlucky with those those uh, those XG numbers. And uh, yeah, in midweek actually... Um, Lyon played Monaco in the Cup de France, um, whereas Lille were knocked out of that in mid-March. So they haven't had that comp to worry about. They haven't had. And it was it was quite a high-intensity affair, Lyon and Monaco. Um, Monaco's meeting, so that could have something to say here. And yeah, if we look at away was kind of pointed to Christophe Galtier's men have lost just once in 16 uh, league league away days all season. Considering they have this kind of advantage in in terms of points in the table, I guess you'd say their first port of call is to ensure they don't lose. But like we say, they could easily they will if they if they only manage to draw here, will they ever be able to sort of catch PSG or, or Monaco if those two sides win at the weekend? Not not really that sure. So I'm not saying I'm not suggesting they won't push for a win if it's a draw late on. But I do think Lille's main main objective would be that and. Um, one thing, I kind of I'm quite against Leon basically at 23 to 20 quotes. Their their disciplinary record is quite a worry lately as well. They've had seven reds this season, which is only outshone by Marseille. You've had nine. They had a man sent off in the reverse fixture back in November. Uh, they were lucky to hold on to that one one as well in in the end. Um, yeah, and the ref actually that's in place is is Francois Latexia who gives 0.3 reds per game, um, which is lifetime. And this season, he's, he's actually 0.33. And he's refed Leon matches twice this season, giving them five yellows when they played PSG, uh, sorry, Saint-Étienne, and two yellows and a red when they played Montpellier. While when he's actually refed Lille, he's ref two games for them against PSG and Lens. Um, and he's not given a, Lille a single card in either of those matches. Where and he's given their opposition uh, two yellows when, for PSG and two red, two reds even for Lons. So I wanted we don't have most booking points basically markets up yet, but I would fancy Leon to have most booking points or most cards if there's any price around six to four or something like that. Both teams draw about the same amount of cards from their opponents, around two point four per game, but. On in general, I feel like Leon could be could lose it, lose their heads a bit easier here. They, I think, Rudy Garcia was sent to the stands in midweek's game against Monaco. They also had a man sent off there. Um, I can't remember. It was Diamande, I think. So, yeah, the seven-time champions. Um, I've just sort of, um, I just wouldn't really want to get with them completely. Um, Lille also haven't lost in 90 minutes to Lyon in any of their last nine meetings in all competitions since 2017. Um, well, I, I basically would, I, I like uh, Le Dog to uh, avoid defeat um, at 8 to 11 with Bet Victor, which is uh, so basically with a plus 0.5 Asian handicap. Um, but also beyond that, I guess Lyon have found the net in all but one of their last. 29 league games um, and proven almost sort of impossible to catch when they, they get get in front. They failed to win just one of 18 matches in which they opened the scoring goal, uh, the first scoring first score. So um, I, it makes both teams to score a bit of a runner at four to five, I guess, because I obviously fancy Lille to avoid defeat. and But I, I can't really see a clean sheet really for, for them either. But I, I will stick to stick to just uh, Lille plus zero point five Asian handicap, which is eight to eleven with Bet Victor. Okay, Tom, you love your league gun. Talk to me. What's your angle? Yeah, I do. I do, and I'm glad that this this game's pulled rank because it it's a league that hasn't had enough attention. I think this season I've been right into it. 
the last couple of months and it it's good fun and yeah really excited for the next few games and this, this is a massive game and two of my kind of bets revolve mainly around the magnitude of this game um it's interesting that will likes the the both teams to score um i'm i'm actually against goals here under two and a half at 17 to 20 is my main bet with Unibet. You get that with Bet365 on the Asian goal line too. I think that that's quite nice. Um, it it just depends which side you pick because if you look at Leon's home games, they've generally been quite high scoring. Uh, and then you look at Leal's away games and a lot of them have gone uh, under two and a half, 70%. In all, um, only five games have gone overs, and there's a lot of one nil wins in there. They've actually kept clean sheets in ten of the sixteen away games of Lille, which is a frightening record, really. And it's it's been their away form that's kept them up there. They've not always impressed on the eye. I don't think they've been quite patient. Um, <laughs> They find it quite hard to break teams down who sit deep, which is probably one of the worries with going unders, I suppose, because you'd expect Leon to play out a little bit more. Um, because Leo like playing with uh, the likes of Jonathan Oconi and Jonathan Bamba, um, kind of on the break, and and they've got they've got pace in forward areas, and with Jonathan David up front too. Uh, three Jonathans up front. How mad's that, eh? But um, I think that they're they're a good thing to be honest. I, I quite like the uh, the Lille plus 0.5, which will mention at around 1.75. Um, given that home, for, uh, given that away form, and Leon, um, their last three have have gone unders, I think as well. So um, I'm just looking at their. Uh, sorry, the four, four of the last seven in the league have gone under two and a half. So they, maybe they're feeling a bit of the pressure now with with the title race on like it is. I think that neither team will want to give anything away. I, I think that Lille play this kind of 4-2-3-1 and it's very rigid off the ball. They're very solid in that regard. And I think that Fonts and Botman will, will have the measure of Slimani if he starts up front. Not sure if Kadawera is back yet or Hasimawa, but I, I don't expect that the creative players that Le, uh, that Leon have will get the space against this Leal side. Um, so yeah, I, I think it'll be it's annoying because I, I want to big up Ligon, but um, I'm not expecting too many fireworks here from a goals perspective. Um, if you have, just look look at Leal's xG as well, they're conceding 0.7 per game. Um, I know Will mentioned the non-penalty XG, but 0.7. That, that's some going that. That's the best in the league by quite a margin too. So it's not like they're keeping these clean sheets by fluke. Um, full credit to uh, Gaultier, who, who's done a great job there. And he's just kind of built season on season. Even when they've lost players, they've been really savvy in the transfer market, as they usually are and keep coming back. And if they end up winning the title, they are top still. And that, that he, I wouldn't be surprised if a, a, big, a real big team came in for him as, as a manager because he, he's shown his capabilities for a few years now. Um, interesting also, Galtier, ex-Sanetienne manager um, against Lyon, who, who are their big rivals. So he'll be bang up for this too. And I, ju- I just think the the other way into this is cards. Will mentioned it's Latexia uh, as the ref here, and I, I just I, I completely get the the point that Will brought up with Leon Moss cards. Couldn't put anyone off that at all. But I just look at the players on show for Leal going forward. Some tricky players, pace, but then there's some really crafty nippy players for Leon too and good ref massive game um there's no odds at the minute but if you can get odds against um on both teams over one card I think that's that's a, a really good bet um given we've got a decent ref as I mentioned and I just think that 
if if one player gets through, kind of two on one, um, they're gonna take them down. They, they can't afford anything anything to kind of slip either team. But yeah, they, these are the games that you want to watch at this at this time of the season. Even if it is low scoring, there should be pre- plenty of beef and. Um, yeah, I just expect a real attritional affair, but I'm not expecting it to be low on entertainment, but I am expecting it to be low on goals. So under two and a half, 17 to 20 will be my main bet. Um, but I, I do like the cards angle too. I'm expecting quite a few here. Nice one. Okay, well, let's move on to the business end of the show. We're going to get the guys' naps, next bests, and long shots in reverse order, starting with the latter. So, Will, your long shot, please, a bet of seven to two or larger this weekend. Sure. Um, give the people what they want, eh? With 31% of the vote either way, I'd already had something up my sleeve for Wolfsburg, Dortmund. Um, same oh, again as, as last week. So, I've, I've got it covered. And try and talk about what is, yeah, still a big clash with repercussions for the top four race in the Bundesliga. It is advantage, die Wolfe, but uh, die Schwarzgalben are the form side right now. So uh, if we if we kind of break it down for, for Wolfsburg, Oliver Glasner is, is doing a terrific job. Um, he's got a massive 48% win ratio since taking over there in July 2019, particularly this season, season even higher. Uh, that is about 1.69 points per game um, sort of win ratio when, you, when you're hitting that with the draws he's got as well in combined. So that leads to about 57 points per game. And that is exactly what they've already hit that mark right now with, with four games to go. Against Stuttgart in midweek, they were in comfortable control, really, against a side with, with little to play for, it has to be said. But a good performance from them. We've spoken before, really, about the reliance on Wout Verkhorst for for goals, and he's still, you know, he's still scoring. He has twenty of their of their fifty four, but which is thirty seven percent of their goals. But for reference, actually, Lewandowski takes an even bigger share with Bayern. He's on forty one percent of their goals this season, and lately there have has been a, a more uh, more Wolfsburg's players chipping in really. Um, he's scored eight of their last 24, so it's a bit of a reduction in his contribution to about 33%. Um, and I felt the, the tough, uh, the sharp end of that when we had uh, him to score two or more goals as a long shot a few weeks back, you know, five no win, and he only got one. So I think they're, they've got quite a lot, uh, quite a, um, a balanced approach going forward at the moment from what I've seen. So they will definitely cause Dortmund some problems. Um, Dortmund on Wednesday were quite threatened by Union Berlin early on. They hit the underside of the bar after 17 seconds. Um, and the pen was pretty questionable as well for Haaland, who managed to miss that and the follow-up. I think he's missed a few for them um, since he's since he's been taken. Um, but Marco Royce actually managed to, to get in on a second follow-up of it. Um, but I would say, yeah, that, that question, that, that pen was questionable. He, Kind of left a trailing leg in Marco Royce um, when he rounded uh, Luter, the keeper. So they they rallied to a win again there, though, um, and they have been in good form. Um, they've won ten of their last 11, 11 as well against Wolfsburg, uh, not conceded a goal in any of the last eight matches against them. There has been a bit of a dynamic kind of change lately in in this kind of a, um, in these two clubs, I would say. So I don't think it'll be that dominant, but um, a Dortmund sheet. Clean sheet is as big as 11 to 4, which kind of illustrates that point. Um, both teams to score is just 4 to 7 as well and, and dropping. But my my bet here is um, obviously a long shot. And I'm, I'm going in again on the 17-year-old wonder kid who's wise and, and able beyond, beyond his years, Jude Bellingham. Um, I actually can see I've made a little typo there on my notes, called him Judge Bellingham. Uh, not sure he's a judge yet, but there... Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's hit a total of um, 39 shots this season in 2,174 minutes, which means his his shots per 90 uh, is 1.63. Um, and over his last 10 matches in the Champions League and Bundesliga, he's played more more than an hour um, in, in the matches that he's played in more than an hour in. Um, so those 10, 10 most recent ones, he's done a couple off the bench, but I've ignored those ones for this kind of statistic. He's hit um, 19 shots in those 10 games, so he's he's increased, and and some of those he was late lately late subbed off. So it's basically his 
uh, his X, his shots per 90 is up at about 2.1 recently uh, compared to maybe more like 1.3 earlier in the season. And I talked about this before because he's basically playing centre mid rather than um, defensive centre mid, which has not been picked up on by by all bookmakers by the looks of it. Um, I had a little look at sort of conversion rates of shots to goals. Now, obviously, it depends on what position that player is playing in and their ability in terms of shooting ability. But overall, the whole Bundesliga this season, the conversion rate is 12.2% of of a shot of each shot results in a goal. For Dortmund, it's 14%. Um, for sort of a comparison, that the best strikers in the world are around like a 28%. Um, someone like Mauro Icardi or Edinson Cavani hit around those numbers. For most good strikers would sort of average, I guess, around 20%, 18% maybe. So for Bellingham, you'd probably expect more about 10% of a chance because he's t- most of his shots are maybe coming from a little bit further out. Um, but now he is, um, I've watched a few of their games recently, he really is a part of their kind of counter-attacking side these days. He often can be found even kind of out on the wing in some of these moves um, quite far forward. So given that he's hitting about two shots per 90, I know this is, again, it's a bit of a crude way of looking at it, but if if each one of those shots has a 10% chance of a goal, then he's probably around a 20% chance of a goal, which you would price at four to one. But we can back him at eight to one with Betfair and Paddy Power. Bet365, make it 10 to three, which looks much closer to what the sort of implied probability plus their margin that I would that I would expect. Um, you do get quite a big margin on goal scorer markets as well. So, so that eight to one, you know, is not really displaying the implied probability that Betfair and Paddy Power actually think it is either because they need to make their profit so clearly the opposition makes a difference as well with these prices he was 15 to 2 to score against Union Berlin but they was um they were just 1 to 2 to win that game whereas this game they're 6 to 5 to beat Wolfsburg so uh, um only moved out slightly to 8 to 1 for with best price so i think there has been some sort of move across some of these bookies that they picked up on this slightly but he's he's uh, Jaden Sa- Sanchez returned in midweek, um, but Axel Witzel and Thomas Delaney now both have Achilles tendon injuries. So I'm pretty much certain that um, he will play, continue playing the centre mid role with with Dahoud and, and Emre Chan as rotated in the in the defensive position behind him. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's been plenty of games where recently where he's had high xG numbers. Uh, he had zero point four against Bremen. Um, they haven't got the numbers up for his match against Union Berlin yet in terms of xG, but he. He had another two shots there last night. So I think he's far too big at 8-1 to one to score any time with Betfair or Paddy Power. Go on, Judge. <clears throat> nice price there. <laughs> um, Tom, your long shot, please. Yeah, love the look of this one. Um, Oldham, minus two against Grimsby at 12-1 to one with red zone. I think that's a huge price. Um, it's actually a bet that's landed in three of the last four Oldham games. Their, their games have been insane for goals. They, they beat Crawley 4-1, then they beat Colchester 5-2, then they went to Morecambe and lost 4-3, and then they just dispatched Harrogate 3-0 away. So they're a team that are just scoring for fun. I mean, what's that? 15 goals, is it, in four games? It's some going, and I think that they're a team that is made to score goals. That's why I was a bit confused when they brought in Keith Curl to the club because he's known for quite a kind of pragmatic style. I've mentioned this before, and he's generally quite defensive. But the more I think about it, he, he uses what he's got to his strengths. So that Northampton side that he had, were there wasn't much attacking potential in that side. And he just ground stuff out by by winning by the odd goal here and there and just being very solid defensively. But he's shown to be very expressive since he's been in Oldham. And really, there's no reason why they shouldn't be because they're mid-table, they're not going to go up, they're not going to go down. There's nothing really for them to play for. So he's just saying, let's just go out and have fun. And it's great to watch, uh, especially with... Uh, if you've never watched Oldham, I, I presume a lot of people haven't, but uh, I'd try to give one of the games to watch just to watch Dylan Bahambula, who's, who's a player who's just not 
not a player you would expect even in the championship with how kind of how kind of um expressive he is on the ball he, he's so fluent he moves everywhere like he'll pop up left right center it's just a nightmare for defenders it's it's a very very odd kind of player to have at this level um but he, he's been on fire he scored a great goal against uh Oldham um I mean against Harrogate last week just sending the keeper for a hot dog you know sitting him down and then just smashing it into the top corner um he's he's a wonderful player I'd expect that he'd get on the score sheet here but if he doesn't, they've got Alfie McCalmont, who's scoring every week as well from midfield. Just scoring screamers too. Um, McElhenney, Kiwa Dunn, uh, Raw. They've got plenty of, plenty of players kind of in forward areas that are just going to cause carnage. And um, Grimsby, their opponents here, I've listened to a lot of Paul Hurst's interviews of where the manager and he... He's kind of resigned to them going down. He, even though they beat Bolton in that shock win recently, he, he was like, well, we didn't really expect that. Um, then they lost 3-0 against Markham. So the, the opposition covered the minus two there as well. And the, he kind of complained that the players aren't just aren't good enough, really, for what he wants. Uh, they're not fitting his mould. Which is fair enough. He, he likes to kind of get a distinctive style of player, a uh, distinctive personality, and, and then he will do well, I'm sure. And he's already talking about next season, and he, he's going to stay there, I think, even though they're in the National League. Of course, Hurst brought them up from the National League quite a few years ago, and he, he ended up at Shrewsbury and Ipswich. It's kind of come back down, and um, he, he'll stay there if he gets the boards back in and. I think he'll be quite excited just for the new season to start. He, he can't wait for it, um, and he can't wait for this season to end. And Grimsby, the bottom two, Southend and Grimsby, it's pretty much done now after Colchester beat Southend and Grimsby lost. So, yeah, I think that they're down in tools now. They're a team I want to get against, and all of them are a team in, in free-scoring form. So the minus two handicap should not be 12-1. to one. Uh, I'd make it more seven to one. I, I know that Grimsby have been quite competitive of late, but since kind of the dreams died, now um, that none of them players are going to be there next season. I don't think so. Yeah, all about Oldham scoring quite a few here. The minus one, just shy of four to one. I was tempted to put that up with it being in long shot territory, but no, we we go for the bigger prices this side. So twelve to one, Oldham minus two against Grimsby is my bet, with red zone. Lovely stuff. Going to stay with you for your next best, Tom. Yeah, I'm, I'm all about EFL or, or Liga this this um, week. And there's a game that I think should be plenty of fun uh, at Lons. Lons against Nîmes. It's two, two teams that are very attack-focused, really. They're, they're not good at the back, particularly. But um, I just think that they're... Managers set them up in a very kind of attacking manner, and um, the bet that I like is both teams to score, which is kind of five to six across the board. Um, I did see it drifting in a few places, but um, I think anything above four to five is absolutely fine. If you just look at uh, Lawns games of where it's absolutely mental for goals. Um, they're a side that are looking at possible um, Europa League qualification. Having come up from League 2 recently, they've, they've done great, to be honest. They've been a, they're a team that started really well, scoring plenty of goals. They had a little dip, and now they're kind of back on the horse, um, win, winning quite a few. They're, they're avoiding defeat in a lot of games as well. Uh, I think the last time that they lost um, was a home game against Nice quite a long time ago that as well but if you just look at their BTTS record the last six away games have seen BTTS land and um, 10 of the last 13 home games have seen BTTS land um, so you're getting 4-4s four in there 2-2s, 4-1s, 3-2s 2-2s and it's just mental so they've got plenty of attacking talent there Fafana was a great buy from Udinese in the summer 
uh, breaking into the box from midfield. Really been impressed with Jonathan Klaus as well on the wing, who's got a great delivery. Um, they did have Ganogo up front. He's kind of been injured for quite a while, but they still find goals quite easy to come by. Um, kind of across across the side with Gail Kakuta, another player who, who you probably have heard of. He was at Chelsea quite a long time ago. He's found a home there and done really well. And and uh, Simon Banzer as well always seems to come off the bench and, and notch one or two. So, yeah, I fancy them to... I think they'll probably win this, um, but I, I think they will concede because Neem, a side that I mentioned last week, um, annoyingly they were 1-0 up um, and Strasbourg had a red card, but they got a penalty and it ended 1-1 that put uh, Neem up at around 11-4. to And it wasn't their best performance, to be honest with you, um, but they are scoring plenty of goals despite the kind of lowly position. And I, I do think they will stay up, if I'm honest. Um, if you just look at their games for BTTS as well, the last three away games have all seen BTTS and five of the last seven and three of the last four at home as well. So they're a side that I've mentioned before. I won't go into too much depth about them, but really good going forward, very enterprising. But they've just not got the quality individually in that defence to, to keep the goals out. I mean, clean sheet's very thin on the ground for them, especially on the road. So, yeah, I think it should be a good game. Um, both kind of strike quite well on the XG as well and, and the goal data. So both teams to score at five to six um, with various bookmakers. That'll be my next best. Good stuff. Will, your next best? Yeah, I'm also uh, hanging around the lower English leagues for the rest of this podcast, I'm afraid, everyone. So bear with. <laughs> if you're not interested in these divisions, you'll have to, you'll just eventually become interested if you keep listening to this podcast. Hey, everybody's interested in the EFL that listens to this show. Well, that's, yeah. that's a guarantee. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, I'll talk about it with plenty of enthusiasm then. Um, crew crew Rochdale is my, is my next stop. Um, Rochdale have won three in a row. The most recent was a really good victory against a high fly in Blackpool. Um, they've also beaten a pretty solid Accrington, who can be really unpredictable at times this season. And yeah, then a huge relegation six-pointer against Swindon as well before that match. So if you'd know, if you'd follow me on Twitter, you'll notice that I tweeted on, I think it was Tuesday night, that um, an acker of the five clubs in the bottom six that won on Tuesday would have been about 550 to one, um, which... I mean, obviously, it would still have been a, a dreamer kind of bet, but these teams are starting to win with pretty pretty regularity right now. And Dale have a, a game in hand over, uh, over the two clubs above them and below them, so uh, which could be pretty vital. And it's also against Wimbledon next uh, next Tuesday. And Wimbledon, obviously, in similarly impressive form, but actually could be, could be almost assured safety if they were to beat Ipswich on Saturday before that fixture's played. So Rochdale really have plenty of sort of uh, chance to stay up still, even though they are a few points off the pace. Um, obviously, Brian Barry Murphy's men will be focusing on this match first, but I, I think this one looks wholly winnable, really, to me. Uh, Crew arrested a bit of a nosedive in form. Um, in midweek, they, they leapfrogged over, over uh, Fleetwood with a win at Highbury. Um, Pretty similarly bored Fleetwood Town, it seems, um, as well. Who we was in a very much similar position with not much to play for. Uh, yeah, Gibraltarian David Artel. I think mentioned him last week as well because we we opposed uh, Crew with Wigan uh, to win at 19 to 10, and they they did the business really easily. Um, Artel has been at the helm for four years. Now kind of continues the Alex's reputation really for. For loyalty, they've had just four managers since 1983, which is something many clubs have had since 2019, probably. So, uh, but off the pitch, they've had some scares, not, maybe not around management, but around other things. There was some, they were hoping to grow some financial support from their third and fourth biggest shareholders already. Uh, those are Americans, I might add as well, who who had um, since decided not to proceed, unfortunately, with, with a, basically a bigger backing after being offered director positions um they were both came up with saying they were they had some internal worries that have not been resolved so i'm not sure if this will 
result in any sort of negative financial not sanctions but just budgeting kind of problems for Dale in the next couple seasons but right now it's it's all about this nothing to play for theory for me um sort of detailed it last week and if you to if you to look at um the last five games uh, of form from the bottom six teams the bottom six teams have won 48 points in those in those combined matches compared to the six above them, um, which includes the railway men who've just 34 points. So already you're seeing that kind of nothing to play for theory come coming through quite strong. You obviously we've, we've only got like sort of four matches left, so it's no surprise to me, um, but that's quite a considerable uplift. And I'd go as far as saying really that they all should be favorites. They're playing some pretty fearless and kind of quite joyous attacking Football. In their last three games, they've uh, they've hit a total of 20 shots on target, and for comparison, Crew have managed just four. So, I, I fancy Rochdale big time at two to one with Bet Victor. Fancy them big time. I like that confidence. Um, mm-hmm. Now, probably the best part of the show is the naps, the best bets of the weekend. Go back to Tom for your nap of the weekend. It would help if I took myself off mute. Yeah, my nap, again, it, it's in France. It's in, in France, and it's a team that I know that you're keen on this weekend as well, Mark. Monaco, mm-hmm. away at uh, Angers. I'm going to take the minus one on the Asian handicap around 1.93 with bet 365. I'd probably make that a play anything above 1.85, to be honest, because... It's a side in Monaco who, uh, in this title race, along with Lyon, PSG and Lille, and they're the form side. They're just winning for fun at the minute. Um, they're third at the minute, and you're just thinking if Lille and Lyon draw, then that's a really ideal scenario for Monaco to be in, but they're playing before them um, on the Sunday. So they'll want to really pile the pressure on. And they couldn't really ask for anyone better to play, probably apart from Dijon, than Angers, who are uh, a side that they've done really well, actually, to finish where, well, they're 12th in the league, which is great going for them because it's not a massive club. But um, they've had a decent enough start to the season. They've just managed to tick off a couple of draws here and there just to see them to safety, and they'll be fine. This season, their uh, attention was firmly on the uh, the cup quarter final, and they they got on quite a decent cup run. And I'm sure with Stefan Moulin, he's been there for a decade now, but he's leaving at the end of the season. The manager who's, who's done an un- unbelievable job there should get a lot of credit for what he's done. But um, I'm sure they were looking at that cup and thinking maybe they could get to a cup final, which would have been nice. But, um, yeah, no chance against PSG. They lost 5-0 in that one midweek. So, yeah, they're a side that have probably expended all their mental energy on that physical energy running around after a team like PSG is not going to help, especially with quite a thin squad that they've got there. And, yeah, they're just mid-table. There's literally nothing for them to play for. They're not going to get dragged into relegation being uh, 10 points clear now. So, yeah, it's a team that I'm I'm looking at these tables. I'm like, which teams have nothing to play for? And maybe either looking to oppose them or looking to get involved with goals with them um, if they're just going to play a bit more freely. But I I can't see Angers scoring against this Monaco side because I looked at uh, Le Monegasque and their unbelievable defensive record of where they've leaked one goal in the last 11 games in all competitions, just one. Um, I think only Chelsea can rival that kind of defensive efforts this season in kind of the top leagues. And rarely you associate this Monaco side with being very attack-minded, but just leaking too many to be serious title contenders. But they're showing this kind of different side to them where they can just strike a really good balance. And I, I really like what they're doing because they're suffocating teams. They're not letting them out. They're not letting them have chances. And um, that makes them a really good bet when they're scoring as many as they are as well. 
I mean, with the likes of uh, Kevin Volland back fit, he was scored plenty for Bayer Leverkusen in its time there. Uh, Jovetic has looked lively since he's been back, just popping up everywhere, having plenty of shots. And Vissan Benyeda, um, just a consistent goal scorer at this level. And then the people supporting him, the likes of Golovin, uh, Gelson Martins too. Uh, Krepin Diata can come on. We've got Fabregas, Chouameni, Fofana, Diop. There's so many players for this Monaco side that can cause problems. And they're actually a really big threat from set pieces as well. I've noticed um, the big Chilean centre-half Guillermo Maripan, who was at Alaves, was really good for Alaves, actually. Uh, got got a good move to Monaco. He's popped up with five this season too. So they're getting goals from all over the park. Scoring for absolute fun and um, keeping clean sheets for fun. And if you just take their last 21 games in all competitions, they've won 18 of them, which is some going. So, yeah, I want to get Monaco on side. And basically here, we'll, the only way we'd lose our stake is if they didn't win the game, which I'm happy with. Because um, you can back a minus one on the Asian handicap. So basically they win by one goal. You'll get your stake back. You won't lose any of your money. If they win by two or more goals, you'll get a full payout, and that's just under even money. So, yeah, I'm all over that. Good stuff. I'm on the Monaco bus as well this weekend. Will, your favourite fancy? I have the exact same bet. (laughs) No way. Yeah. Really? I I did think there could be a chance of this happening because I know that Tom put Monaco up in the WE Gold channel the other day, and he does like them, and... Clearly, it's just a very good bet. Yeah, I don't really know what to add to it. <laughs> yeah, exact bet. Minus one. <laughs> yeah, minus one Asian, 1.91 or 10 to 11. Um, yeah, what could I? There was a couple of things I had that I think Tom didn't mention. <laughs> one, <laughs> I guess I would say, um, yeah, I mean, like we said, they're, they're Angers are the epitome of mid table right now with five games to go, 10 points clear, relegation playoff position. Occupied by Tom's also second favourite team, Le Crocodile, and uh, yeah. 12 points behind Lons as well, in the in who are fifth for the Europa spots. And yeah, just to make it worse for them, three weeks ago, Stefan Moulin, the longest serving coach in Ligue 1 and Europe's top five leagues, announced sort of, uh, sort of his departure at the end of the season after a decade with Le Noir à Blanc. Um, so... Yeah, all of his coaching staff are going with him as well. So I feel like it's, a, it's an approach, it's a commendable thing to do to give the club time to find a replacement. But it does seem to create a bit of a malaise around Angers right now. Um, I obviously mentioned last week as well when selecting Nice to beat Dijon, which was oh, just gutted about that bet. Don't understand what happened in that match. Um, they kind of mentioned that a 46% XG ratio is quite decent in France because we've got sort of four teams with over 64% or higher. Um, the Premier League only has one for comparison and that is City. So Angers are, are at 47%, um, but Monaco is 64%. Um, and yeah, even Understat actually even has Monaco scoring seven less goals than they are predicted to. So Great partnership going on up front. Tom's also kind of talked about a lot about all that bit, so not really much else I can add to it. But I just, um, I think on either side, it's just a must-win for for Monaco and not really at all for for Angers. And Nico Kovac is doing a great job at Monaco. Done the double over PSG this season. Widely praised by French media. I think one to two is is a fair is it about one to two for the straight win um but yeah i'll yeah. happily take a minus one asian as well great stuff very much keen on that bet even more now considering we're all aligned um but cool i think we've covered off everything we normally do so all that's left is to ask you both if there's any other business your end who wants to go first yeah, yeah i'll go first I'll, <laughs> I'll go on tom go on tom <laughs> Uh, I'm really keen to get this one out, as you can tell. I, I like uh, another bet in France, actually. I kind of spent a lot of energy looking at this league, and it's basically back against Bordeaux till the end of the season as well. I'm looking at who, who, what teams can I get against Bordeaux? Definitely one of them. Even if they were playing Dijon, I'd probably back Dijon against them. That's how bad Bordeaux have been of late, and. 
I'm expecting them to carry on their kind of really Palmer ways as they uh, have to go to Lorient. Uh, it's not a massive trip for them, but I think Lorient are, are an interesting side. They're, they're right in a relegation scrap. Um, just one point clear of Nîmes um, and four points clear of Nantes. And all the teams have played exactly the same amount of games in this league, which kind of is nice to look at. It don't give you a headache whenever you try to work out permutations and, and all that. But they, they've drawn probably one too many games, and they're a side that started quite poorly, and they've grown into the season. But I just I just think they're six to five, which isn't the best price. I was hoping for a little bit bigger than that, to be honest. But I think they've underperformed from where they are. I think they've been very unfortunate. So I've watched quite a bit of them, and they they've been a dangerous side, um, especially with Jan Visser and uh, Ted M. Moffy up front, who, who's been scoring for fun as well. But I, it's basically just get against Bordeaux here because they're they're not completely out of it. They're on thirty six points. They should be okay, um, but they they're actually under administration. I was reading this morning and that's something that didn't even occur to me when I was doing my research on this so they're under administration it means like I guess a lot of the players that are there won't be there next season even if they're still in this league um I guess they'll have to sell key players lots of Adley um I'm not really sure who else they could sell who's any good to be honest uh Toma Basic maybe in midfield but yeah the they're a side that are in poor form. I think they've lost four on the bounce now. Not really against great opposition either. And they're just a side that, that are all over the place. And Lorient are better than they've shown. Um, they're just not losing games that much at the minute. Before these two losses, they were, they were kind of five unbeaten, I think. Um, and, and scoring plenty. So I, I think that Lorient at 6-5 to five are, are a bet. Um, I think that might trend downwards if people kind of get news of this, what's going on at Bordeaux, which is not ideal for them. Um, but I, I do like Ted and Moffy to score any time. His best price is 37 to 20. I can see, I think that's with Unibet, which is a bit, bit of an odd price, but he, he's been their best player this season. He's only 21, and you look at him and you think he's 31, the size of him. Um, he's he's a beast. I can't believe he's um <laughs> that young, but he's a player that's been scoring plenty. He got a brace against Marseille. I can remember um last week, and he, he scored in the the defeat at Lons before that. So yeah, he's a he's a player that I, I like the look of, and he's physical, but he's got pace as well to get him behind, and he'll be on the end of a lot of these chances. So just shot at two to one. I'll take a bit of him to score any time too. Ted and Moffy. Um, you might want to combine them, Lorient to win and Ted and Moffy to score. But I'll be playing them as singles. Yeah, interesting. Sad scenes. What's happening at Bordeaux? I believe the American owners have decided they're not going to invest anymore into the the famous old club. So hopefully they get things sorted. Uh, Will, did you have anything? Yeah, just I'd quickly uh, Ipswich Wimbledon pick as well. Ipswich um, five points off the playoffs with four games to go. They've won just one of the last nine league games, and that was against bottom club Bristol Rovers, and scored in only two of those matches. Those those last nine. So Wimbledon have won four on the bounce, including victories against uh, Ipswich, with one of them actually because it was in a rearranged match. So they're playing again already. Um, they won the shot count in that game, twenty-two eight. They were two 0 up when Josh Harrop was sent off and ended up winning 3-0 at a canter. Um, Ipswich manager is Paul Cook, and he, he looks a bit lost without Liam Richardson, who's been his number two at all of his previous clubs. Um, but Richardson's just been given the full-time deal as as Wigan boss. Um, together, that duo had won League One, we almost called it League Un then, with the Latics, and the League Two <laughs> title with uh, Pompey and Chesterfield. So it's a pretty big loss to him, clearly, and I think it shows because Cook took over from Paul Lambert um, at the beginning of March and hasn't done that well and uh, without Richardson yet. Conversely, Wimbledon are un- under Mark Robinson, who I mentioned a bit. Um, he's been in roles there since 04. 
and they're, they're flying. Just one more win will probably almost clinch safety, as I mentioned earlier. Um, and if not, they have Rochdale, which they could possibly pick up points from on Tuesday. So um, after a pretty brilliant turnaround, I fancy them uh, plus, plus zero Asian handicaps. So draw no bet at 23 to 20 with bet 365. And also very quickly, Mets versus PSG is on Saturday at 4 p.m. Another one with huge title um, ramifications in League 1. And I don't fancy like any of the normal bets here, but a red card, the prices aren't up yet. But if you can get more than three to one or around three to one, I'll, I'll go for that because the ref is the brilliantly named Willie Delajod, um, <laughs> who has ha, has given a red in nine of his last 18 matches in League One, the most in the league this season. And he's refed Mets games twice and given a red to their op- opposition once and PSG games twice and given a red in both of those matches as well. So plenty on the line there. I think a red card in that match might be interesting. Nice one. So much EFL, so much French football this week. Yeah, very, very interesting stuff. But we're going to wrap it up there, guys. Loads of really well-researched reasons, suggested plays, loads of insight, loads of knowledge. Really enjoyed that today. Um, as always, any social media support from you guys, the listeners, is always much appreciated. Allows the the time and effort put in by these guys to be repaid in some sort of form. But uh, we're going to wrap it up there. A big thanks to the stars of the show, Tom Love. Cheers, Matt. And Will Dyer. Thanks a lot, guys. Good stuff. This has been the Wheel of Betting Weekend preview podcast. Chat soon. Mm-hmm.